Now, I don't want it to shock you. For some of the younger people, um, there's going to be some words, and parents, I apologize now. Uh, We tried to tone it down just a little bit. But it goes with the message somewhat today. Because I think on one end, parents are very naive, if not ignorant, of what's taking place in our world. And how it may affect our children in many different ways. Oftentimes we say Satan is a duplicator of God. If God is a teacher, and God is teaching his people, what do you think Satan's doing? He's teaching. Ephesians tells us the teachings of demons. He's teaching. If God is out to have a certain mindset and bring about certain attitudes out of us, what is Satan doing? He's trying to develop a certain mindset that portrays certain attitudes that come out of us. The Lord Jesus said that we would know the difference between the children of God and the children of Satan. And the reason that is, is because what we behold and what we see. So what I want you to do, do we have the words up here first? uh, Which one you have ready? Okay. Just very quickly. Then you're going to hear the music, but I want you to understand something. Music is what often we hear, we hear this beat. But the subconscious hears the words. We hear the beat, the flesh, the subconscious hears the word. So what happens sometimes, we're so in tune with the beat, we're not hearing the words, but yet we are hearing the words unbecoming to us. And what we wind up doing sometimes is living out the words, wondering, where do we get this from? I don't know why I came in this club with you, girl. Don't know why I came in with these diamonds on my chains, surrounded by bad... Some of y'all know this one? Okay. Is it called cut like a professor? I don't know how you feel. Can you tell me? I don't know how you feel. Can you tell me? Is it called neither handsome and wealthy? Is it called I'm a star? It may be, could be mine. I got my chain, it rains, my Rolex watch, it got 50 carats. And it just goes on. Let's go a little further. What's on your mind? I'm not genuine. Ain't time to spend no time. I know my... And how commonly we use that word anymore. And our young folks use that word. 
got to play the cost to be the boss. I put my playing golf. I think you're getting a little bit of it. Let's go to the next one. This is soft. Yes, next next song. Rhythm is a dancer. I need a companion. Girl, I guess that must be you. Body like the summer. Like no other. Don't tell them what we do. So we go home, but how often do the young people tell what they've really been doing? How many of you have dinner chats with your kids when you sit down at dinner and really pull out of them, in a sense, what they've been doing all day, what they've been talking about. You ain't even, you ain't even got to tell them, don't tell them. Don't tell who? Don't tell the parents. Don't tell people who really care about you. You're being taught not to even tell. Don't know why you're not talking to your parents. Don't know why you're not sharing with your parents what's going on in your life. Not knowing that parents are trying to teach you to talk and communicate with them, but something else is teaching you, don't talk. Don't share. You ain't even, you ain't even got to tell them, don't tell them. You ain't even, you ain't even got to tell them, don't tell them. Over and over again. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. You know. Say you down with it. Won't tell them how you hit the ground with it. Girl you know. I'm from Chicago. I act a fool. Bobby Brown with it. If you know Bobby Brown. You know what Bobby Brown's about. Now can we play it? Go ahead and play this one. Mark, you know that one, don't you? There's the beat. We get, we get into the beat and the sway. I need a companion. Girl, I guess it must be you. But we don't really hear the words much. Body like the summer. Fucking like no other. Don't you tell them what we do. We say we're not listening to the words, we're just listening to the music. But you are hearing the words. So you're in tune with the beat. The words are going to your subconscious. Okay, I think we have it. Let's play the first one a little bit.
this club yeah. Got the beats too Don't know why I came in with these diamonds on my chain Surrounded by bad bitches, I can't get them out my face Is it cause a nigga handsome and wealthy? Is it cause a nigga cook like a professor? I don't know how you feel, can you tell me? I won't know how you feel till you tell me Is it cause a nigga handsome and wealthy? Is it cause I'm a star? Boy, can you see with the earphones on? Nobody else can hear what you're listening to. You got your earphones on and you're just doing your thing. But and why you're doing it, guess what? Satan's teaching. Satan's teaching. Okay, thank you. I think we forgot that Satan was in charge of the choir and all music in heaven. Satan was in charge of all music. And one language that they say the whole world understands is music. Is music. And the God of this world is teaching through music. He's teaching attitude through music. He's teaching character through music. He's teaching his sin through music. Have you ever been at a red light or in traffic and the person next to you, the music is so loud and so vile that you wish you could... And every other word is a... Yet our children have come to a point and say, that's just common. That's just life today. When we come to that place to just accept it as common and that's life and that's the norm, we've already bought into it. Because what it is saying, we will not fight against it. We will not stand against it. We will not turn it off. Now, I want you to listen to something else. Because music has a different way of ministering to us. Victoria, would you come and would you play? Now what I want to ask you is this. Between what you heard a few moments ago and then what you just heard now, did you sense a little feeling difference in your own person? Did you even sense a calmness? Could some of you recognize the song that she was playing? Shine, Evil Companions. and Satan teaches. And what we need to understand is that Satan is at work. Satan is working. 
can you put me on my channel? Satan is working. And we need to understand that. Because people today do not understand that Satan is at work. And a lot of people do not even believe in a Satan. Nor do they really believe in a God. They believe in their own little luck or destiny or their own journey or or just themselves. Not at all about the things of Satan. Now, one of the things I want you to recognize is this. Satan's main work is to render the church useless and destroy Israel. Two entities that God, God chose Israel to be a people, and today Israel is like a timetable to Christians. And then the church, or the saints of God, God has called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And Satan is out to render both. One, he wants to render useless, that's the church. The other, just outright destroy, that is Israel. Because through Israel came Jesus Christ. We have to come to that place to realize that it is the church, in a sense, and the church that has stood against, in this way, a wickedness. The church is an instrument which God has used to rebuke and threaten every type of evil and every type of wrong government. When people learn the word of God, they begin to expect to be treated as God's word ordains them to be treated. And they begin to act in a way that is totally different. And that makes governments nervous. Because no longer is it the government that controls the people, but rather it is then the word of God that controls the people. Calvin said it right, and I believe Calvin was right in what he said. Calvin said the the purpose of the church in any government is to raise up qualified leadership to lead that government. Because only the Christian can really enact what would be called on an earthly plane fairness to everybody, whether it be believers or unbelievers. We live in a time that we do not believe that we're at war with an enemy called Satan. The early church was persecuted by the Roman government. But in the 4th century, something strange happened and took place. Constantine was converted, saved, or saw his vision, or whatever you want to call it. But then, Roman Empire became a Christian empire. Now, that doesn't mean everybody was saved. But what it did do is this. It allowed the church to begin to function without fear of persecution by government. And that's basically what took place. So, in our government, per se, the church is supposed to be able to function without the government threatening the church. So the government is set up in a way that supposed to protect the church from while the church has a freedom to do its work. Well, we're losing on that ground in many different ways. The church, 
by Satan will be rent by scission or division. Isn't it strange? If a church is at peace with itself and a congregation is at peace with itself and things are functioning in a way in which God ordains and God wants to function, that people think it's abnormal. Because in church life, you're supposed to have in-house fighting, the constant bickering and tearing down of one another, the anger at one another, the arguments within the church. And when you find that in a church, you find where Satan has a good stronghold. you'll find that Satan has a good stronghold because God has called us to be one body, a one mind, and to be busy about his work. Not all this in-house fighting that takes place in churches. Not all this anger in churches. But for some reason, as human beings, we think the church is supposed to be fighting against each other. Fighting pastor against congregation, this board against that board, this is against this. And that's the decision that takes place. But you have to ask, who brings that? If God is a God of order and God is a God of peace, who brings the division into the church? Then the church is going to be torn by sin. That the church no longer speaks to sin or address sin or say that sin is wrong. That the church has become a place where it's complacent to sin. It allows sin. It allows for the corruption and unrighteousness and the unholiness to somehow come in and make itself comfortable in the sanctuary of God. And we're seeing that more and more in the church. So it's nothing for the adulterer to attend church. It's nothing for the adulterer to be from the pastor, the elder, the deacon, the trustees. It's nothing for somebody to be loose with themselves in the church. There's nothing wrong with the drug addict being in the church selling his drugs to the young people. There's nothing wrong with the rap music being in with all this profanity and so forth. We do it all. And the church has lost a sense of holiness and purity. We've lost it. Because of sin. The last part that the church is going to find itself in, and we may already be there, is apostate. People who just won't believe and people who leave the church. Satan is busy. Satan is busy. And don't think that the Antichrist or 666 or the beast, or the false prophet, is just going to rise up all at once. Satan is setting the groundwork for it. He's been setting the groundwork for it. 
That's why the scripture says, won't really be let loose until the one who holds him back is taken out of the way. But Satan is putting everything in its place, in its position. And he's working. It says in Chronicles, it says there, is it 2 or 21? I think I had 2, I think it's 21. But it speaks of, yes, it's 21. 21.1. It speaks that Satan rose up against Israel in 21.1.1. It says in 21.1, First Chronicles, I have two, but it's, it's 21.1. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to do something. But what I want you to catch is this. Satan rose up against Israel. In Matthew 16, 18, it talks about where Christ is talking about building his church. He says, the gates of hell would not overcome it. If the gates of hell is not going to overcome it, it's indicating that the gates of hell is going to fight against it. But it will not what? Overcome it. And we miss out on thinking things through oftentimes when we see scripture. We will just read it, but we don't give much thought to it. And what I want you to do is give thought to this, that Satan really is at work. He's at work in your families. He's at work in your friends. He's at work in your co-workers. And what happens, we are in this, but we're almost like that lobster or that frog. If you put him in the water and then turn the temperature up, he'll never try to jump out. But if you drop him in there while the water's hot, he'll what? And we're kind of like that. Uh, uh, Satan is turning his temperature up. And he's turning it up slowly, and we're not very much aware of it. And we're comfortable with it, not knowing what Satan is doing. And Satan is a deceiver. Satan is the father of lies. Satan wants us to think and believe there is no God out here who will help us. There are many people who live in despair and hopelessness. Why? Because they will not believe that there is a God who is willing to help them. Things sometimes happen in life so badly, we will come up with our own solution. If there was a God, he would have never allowed this to happen to me. What we often forget, God has made men and women free agents. They can do whatever they want to do. You may have had a bad father. You may have had a bad mother. You may have had a brother who raped you. You may have had a sister that was a wow and everything else. You, you may have, but somewhere you've got to come to a place where you're accountable for you because when you stand before God, it will not be about everybody else. It will only be about the decision you made. That's all. Just a decision that you made. We see, again, in a couple of weeks, we will hit Ezekiel 38 and 39, because you've heard me mention them a couple of times. But we're trying to still lay some groundwork here. 
that Satan will attack Israel. And that's that beginning part. Then in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming to be God. Now, that doesn't happen all of a sudden. People are not so naive that you just walk into a place today and they don't know you. They're not familiar with you. They're unaware of you. Your name never been heard before. And all of a sudden, you're just going to step into a place, sit down, declare yourself to be God, and millions of people are going to follow you. No. Won't happen. But that Satan has been on the scene, or the Antichrist has been on the scene, for some time, preparing for that day that he will go and just sit in the very holiness of God, in the temple of God that had been rebuilt, and say, I'm God. I'm God. You think there would be a big uproar, a big backlash from people. But because of the conditioning of mind and heart, that will not take place. Look at what's happening with us today, slowly but easily. It's been a slow process of educating and conditioning minds and hearts of people. America is at a place. It wouldn't, if ISA was to come in and take over our government today, there would not be a big up war. The main issue will be this. Will you still allow me to smoke my marijuana? Will you still allow me to get high? Will you still allow me to get a party on Friday and Saturday night? As long as you allow me to do these things, we're cool. America has come to a place that they're so complacent. As long as nobody messes with their pleasures, they don't care who leads them. Who leads them? If you want to hear that spoken about, Listen sometime to the debates on TV about entitlements, about giveaway programs that the government has set up for years. And the biggest fear is if we take away the entitlements, we'll have a backlash of the people. If you have a backlash of the people, the other big fear is simply this here. We can't take away the entitlements. But if the entitlements are causing your country to go bankrupt, let me bring around this here. You have three or four MasterCards, Visa cards, but they're all maxed out. And you're still trying to apply for a new one. When does it come to a point you just stop? And say, this thing's leading me into debt. I'm already in debt. I'm going further in debt. And that's where our country's at. But yet people are saying, don't mess with my entitlement. Don't mess with what you're giving me. Don't do that. We have called 
into a place where we're much like, and we're going to talk about the churches in Revelation 3, 1 through 3. But many say that we are like the Laodiceans, the last church that is mentioned. That we're like the Laodiceans. We have a state of mind like the Laodiceans. We don't want to either be hot or cold. We're religious people, but we're not hot. We're not on fire for the Lord. But we're not yet a piece of ice either. We don't think that we are. So we try to play that lukewarm area. We try to play in that middle. And the Lord said, if you're playing in the middle, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. None of us like stuff lukewarm. How is Satan going to pull this off? Go to 2 Corinthians 2.11. Because God says something about his people that we should be, but I don't know if we're really there right now. I think we're in a place where, like the Lord says, they hear but they don't hear, they see but they don't see, at least they hear and they see, they would understand and that they might be saved, they might be delivered. Because we are a people who don't really believe there is a Satan, we don't take much of what Scripture says about Satan to any deep value or try to really understand it. So in 2.11, he simply says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. He says we should not be unaware of Satan's schemes. But Satan has already taught the majority of the church not to read the Bible. Now, if he's taught us not to be in the Bible, and what I picked that up from, watch how many people go to church with their Bibles. If they're not bringing that Bible to church, most likely they're not studying that Bible where? And if those who even bring their Bibles to church, they may look at them that Sunday morning with the pastor or with Sunday school, but when they're at home, how often are you in the Word? So Satan, his own way, has somewhat taken away from us the ability to even look at his schemes or how he's going to scheme. Therefore, we have chosen to close our own eyes, close our own ears about what Satan is doing. And we have chosen to become a people unaware of Satan's schemes unaware of what Satan is doing, unaware how Satan will hurt us, unaware how Satan is undermining us, unaware how Satan is teaching our children, unaware how Satan is touching our minds and our hearts, unaware of how Satan is conditioning a society, unaware If I would call any woman a bee, I will call my mom a bee. For my mom is a woman. If I use the foul language, 
outside with my friends, eventually I'm going to bring it in-house and use it. The Antichrist is a word that we hear, but there's only really one person who uses the word Antichrist in the Bible, and that is John. John uses the word Antichrist in his first and second epistle of John. Antichrist is not used in Revelation, but it is used basically by John, who is the author then of Revelation. When he speaks of the false prophet, when he speaks of the beast, he's speaking of the Antichrist. Now, Oftentimes, the Antichrist is painted as an individual person. I like to suggest to you that it's not so much a person as it is a philosophy. It is a philosophy that, yes, we will see a person imitate and follow and perform, and we will see many other people follow it and carry it out, and act it out. And I think Scripture will bear that out. The Antichrist refers to any opponent of Christ or anything against Christ. So that could be anyone, any type of teaching, any philosophy has an Antichrist-type spirit. It's against. Anti means against. It refers to the last great adversary against Christ in tribulation as the Antichrist or this system that Satan is going to set up for three and a half years that Christ himself would totally dismantle and destroy at his coming. The word Antichrist is used only in the New Testament and only by John. Turn with me to 1 John 2.18. Let's go look at a couple of ways in which John uses it. Let me get there. Dear children, this is the last hour And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is what? Now, now listen to what John says now, but I want you to catch what he's going to say a little bit later on. He says the Antichrist is coming. I think what John is saying when he's saying he is coming, the Antichrist is going to pick up his game. The Antichrist is going to intensify The Antichrist is going to grow stronger. The Antichrist is going to be more of a magnifying figure than what we've ever thought. And he says that the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have what? Many. Many. There are many who are against Christ 
where they carry this philosophy or this teaching of the Antichrist. That's going to penetrate a world system. That's going to teach people. What are they going to teach? To be disrespectful to Jesus Christ. To not acknowledge the gospel. To say the gospel doesn't count. The gospel has no real meaning. It's going to teach against the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's going to teach against everything that is holy. That we can understand what Isaiah says then. That which was once called pure or clean or righteous is now called sin and wrong. So right which was one time right is now wrong, and wrong has become what? Right. Because of a teaching that has went out. So even today we have it. For God says it's not good for men or women, no matter who, to have sex outside of marriage. We say it's good, it's okay, it's fine. That's the Antichrist. But what we don't see is that that is a teaching now of Satan, not of God. That's a teaching of Satan, not of God. And then when we hear the correction of what God says, then we fight against what God is saying in order to hold up what we're doing. And what we do, we come up with these little little words. Well, he really care about me. I really love him too. We get along great. We'll use all the words but sin. Oh, that is wrong. It's an antichrist spirit teaching against the things of God. It's okay for me to stay in my own home and do my own puffing. Do my own thing. Problem is, how you're affecting the children when you're smoking your pot? How are you affecting the children when you're smoking your weed? How are you affecting the children when you're on heroin? How are you affecting the children when you're on cocaine? But Satan has said to you, you're okay. You're safe. You're not bothering anybody else. But it affects the children because they got to inhale it. It affects the children because of your behavior. It affects the children in many different ways. And oftentimes in those effects becomes an anger that rouses up in a child that cannot express the anger until later on in life. Go to verse 22. Same chapter, verse 22. Who is the liar? It is the man who deems that Jesus... Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. Who is the liar? The Antichrist. Who is the liar, the father of all lies? Satan. 
Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. He denies all that they stand for. He denies all that is holy, all that is pure, all that is righteous. The Antichrist denies it and is out to destroy it. In 4, 3, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3, he simply says, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. That which will not acknowledge Jesus. Let me use that word acknowledge differently. I refuse to stand up for Jesus. Therefore, I'm not acknowledging him. I refuse to do what is right after being taught what is right, but I refuse to stand up for that which is right. I'm not acknowledging. I'm in a position, but I choose not to do the right thing. And I know this is the right thing to do, but I refuse to do it. I'm not acknowledging. I'm back and forth. Jesus, are you my Savior? Or aren't you my Savior? Satan has you so confused, you don't know who you belong to. You don't even know who you are. And therefore, you really can't acknowledge because you're so confused. A confused person never stands up. Watch the evidence. When somebody will ask, raise your hand if you understand, stand up if you understand, and look around and see how many people are still sitting or haven't raised their hand because they're in confusion. And whenever you're in a state of confusion, you will not stand. And with God, there's no neutral ground. There's no middle ground. Either you are or you aren't. Either you're for or you're against. Scripture makes it clear. Either you're for me or you're against me. There's no middle ground. Different names of the Antichrist. In Daniel 7, he's known also Little Horn. In Daniel 9, he would be referred to as the prince that is coming. In Daniel 11, he referred to as the king. In Matthew 24, 24, as the false prophet. In Second uh, Thessalonians 2.8, as the lawless one, or the son of prediction. And in, Re- in Revelation 11-17-13, through 17 through 13, on over to even chapter 20, known as the beast, the beast of the earth, and also the false prophet. So there's different names that this philosophy, in sense, is going to be taught by these different individuals all the way through. But it's all about being against the things of God and against the Lord Jesus Christ. Behind all of this is the one person, Satan, or Lucifer, who is, Lucifer means morning star or brightness. He is the adversary. 
First Peter 5 eight says he's the adversary. And then in 12.10 of Revelation, he's the accuser of the brothers. But let's go to First Peter. Because Peter's going to give us a little bit of description about what he's going to be about. What he's going to be doing. And, and we need to be aware of that because he does it suddenly. So subtle in what he's doing. But the end result seems to us happen so quickly. But Satan is very subtle in what he does. And we need to be aware of it. So in 5.8 he says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to what? To devour is to destroy. So, so Satan is out to what? Destroy. Destroy who? You and I. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, Satan has asked if he can shift you as wheat. Now, understand that principle here. Satan can only do what God allows. But since Satan is the God of this world, there are certain things that Satan has been given permission to do. And Satan will affect your lives in a very subtle way. And you'll be doing it unknowingly. Have you ever heard people say, well, when I'm, when I'm able to do better, you'll never do better by yourself because Satan has you bound. Heard this little acronym about the word busy. Bound under Satan's yoke. Bound under Satan's yoke. Busy. Busy trying to raise myself up. Busy trying to do this for self. Busy trying, not knowing Satan has you bound under his yoke. But you're busy trying to get out of this rut. You're busy trying to get ahead. You're busy trying to do better. You're busy trying to do this. Not realizing you're bound under Satan's yoke. And the only one who can really help you is God. We often forget what the scripture says. God lifts us up and put us into positions. God promotes us. God does it. Satan keeps me bound. God sets me free. God sets me free. He's my adversary, not God. And what Satan has done is this. He has made it to look like God's the adversary. God doesn't want me to be happy. God doesn't want me to succeed. God doesn't want me to be rich. God doesn't want me to have fun. God doesn't want me to intermingle with the different sexes. God doesn't want me to have a happy home. God doesn't want... It's like Satan has turned everything around and said... The fault of our society and the fault of life is God. 
So a lot of people blame God. And a lot of people are angry with God. Because Satan has twisted that thing. Not knowing it is God who blesses. It is God who lifts you up. It is God who forgives you. It is God who opens the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings upon you. It is God's grace that gives you the ability to get up every day. Is God at work. Even when you don't deserve his mercy, he shows you mercy. Satan is also called that prince of demons. And go with me to Matthew 12, 24. Because oftentimes we wonder, where is this large army going to come from? And how is this going to take place? And how is that going to take place? Remember something. God has demons out here preparing the hearts and minds of people to serve him. God recognized or has given Satan that freedom for a little while to do what he's going to do. Pick up with me in verse 24, and we're going to go through 26 in Matthew 12. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Look at the title that is being given, the prince of demons. And they're calling Jesus at this point the prince of demons for what he had done previously, if you read the, beforehand. But he says, it is only by the prince, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now catch 26. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against who? Now Jesus understood Satan was not going to be divided against himself. Now understand this. Satan is a taskmaster. In Satan's ranks, he don't have rebellion. You rebel against Satan and you in his hand, he take you out right now. No mercy, no grace, no forgiveness. Satan doesn't play with his chillings. Satan is a hard taskmaster. That's not our God. That's not our God. And he says, if Satan divides out Satan, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom, what does Satan have? He has a kingdom. And, and, and Satan says, nobody else is ruling this kingdom but who? So Satan has the musical industry. Satan has the homosexual areas of life. Satan controls sex in many different ways of life. Satan's in control of finances and money. Satan has a kingdom that is busy at work undermining the things of God. And oftentimes we don't see that. Satan will cause you to fall in love with money. Have you ever tried to figure out 
People who got money, and for most of us, sometimes when we don't have money, we just say, if I had enough money, I could be happy. Have you ever figured out why are people with gobs of money are miserable? What happened to the happiness? If money itself was supposed to bring happiness, why are these people committing suicide? Why are these people so unhappy? Why are these people in four or five, six different marriages? Why are these people constantly in some type of crisis spirit in their life? Satan. My wife was trying to catch the news about what's her da- what's her daughter's name? They found yes. Did she die or was she in the hospital? But found her in the bathtub, face down. Whitney Houston's daughter. Got everything to live for in a sense. Got money. But depressed, where does depression come from? Have no worthiness of herself? Where does that come from? Have a form of religion or godliness. Where does that come from? See, Satan don't mind you having a form of religion and godliness because he knows you're not genuine. You really haven't turned over to God completely. Let's hit just a couple more of these and we're going to be finished. Baal, head of unbelievers. Go to 2 Corinthians 6.15. Just like Christ is the head of the church, Satan is the head of unbelievers. Unbelievers think, well, they just lead themselves and do what they want to do. No. They're under the command of Satan and his demons who set the schemes for them, who sets the platform for them. Now, again, if God opens doors for you, and God blesses you, and God sets a table for you in the presence of your enemy, and God does different things on your behalf because you're his child. Satan copies that. Satan sets the platform for you to sin. Satan takes you to the right party, lets you meet the right people who will sell you some drugs, who will sell you. They don't care what happens to you. They don't care if the drug kill you. They'll just sell it to you. They don't care if their philosophy harms or mess with your mind. They don't care if, boy, they can talk you into doing something that is wrong. They don't care if, boy, if you're a young girl trying to get through college but you join the sorority, but the initiation thing is that you got to sleep with two or three men or you got to get all drunk and this happens to, or young. They don't care. Because Satan is out to destroy. Period. So, 6, 15 is it? 
What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? In the Greek, Belial, the father of lies. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and the idols? For we are in the temple of the living God. Now, catch this. In verse 15, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What harmony is there between Christ, the believers of Christ, and the unbelievers? Now we know Christ is the head of who? The believers. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the saints. Baal is the head of the unbelievers. So the scripture gives us the head of the two groups. And oftentimes the unbeliever think, boy, okay, I'm just doing what I want. No, that's why Jesus says, you do the desires of your father. You do the desires of your father. You carry out the plans of your father. You do the works of Satan because you're an unbeliever and you don't really follow the Lord. He is called the prince and power of the air. He is called the ruler of darkness. In John 14, he is called the ruler of this world. He is the ruler of the air or the prince of the air. One interprets that as like from here up to the first hemisphere or the clouds. If that is also true, think of this. If he's the prince of the air, he controls the air waves. What travels on the air waves? All of our technology, all of our music, everything we're doing. So we're saying, how is it that Christ can steal, how is it that Satan can steal your identity? <laughs> how can Satan make you look like something you're not to somebody else? When I took the church computer in, and... Um, because somebody had the virus that went in it. It just decrypted everything. But what I didn't know was this. When, the other, when, they, when they found out the information, they said, another person was watching you on your computer do what you were doing. How? Because today, with the U-verse and all the other stuff, it's just out here in the air... Uh, let me explain it like this. Have you ever had your genie in your car and opened up somebody else's? I, I've done that in different states. No. Because it's on that airwave. And that garage goes up. No. 
And Satan taps in, or these people taps into these airwaves, and they tell you, they can steal all your information. And they can even watch you or see what you're doing. The person told me, boy, it's a good thing that some of the personal things in church were never just actually put in that computer because they could have had all that information. The prince of the air. I want to leave you with this thought. Satan is busy. Satan knows time is getting short. He's going to intensify. He's going to pick up his game. And we're going to see more. We're going to see more. Remember last week, the fight between Ishmael and Isaac? We're going to see that intensify. Because everybody is trying to say, this is not a religious war. And yet, that's really what it's about. It's about who you're going to serve. And what we're going to continue to look at How has Satan worked down through the years? How has God worked down through the years? We want to be able to see that. And we want to see how Ishmael is going to be used by Satan. How Isaac is being used by God. It's important. If we see it correctly, then our end results will be correctly thought of and we'll do the right things. If we don't see it correctly, we will become that lukewarm Laodicea church that nothing matters. Nothing matters. I'm the only one that matters. I'm wealthy. I'm good. I'm okay. And God has called us to be his witness in these last days as never before. Don't think Satan is dead. Don't think Satan's not busy. Don't think Satan is not messing with your mind and with the hearts of people. Satan is busy training for that day when he goes into that temple people will accept him as God. Satan is training people to take the mark 666 because they don't want to give up any of their pleasures. Satan is training us to listen to a false prophet rather than to a true prophet. Satan is training a whole society It helps us to understand, the Lord says, unless he returned, the very elect would be what? Deceived. Satan is raising his game. And we're going to see more of it. We're going to see more of it. And I I will challenge you of what Jesus says. When he comes, Will he find any that are faithful? 
You've heard me say that over and over again since we started this. When he comes, will you be faithful? When he comes, will you really be able to say, I've been faithful? And if you die before he comes, would you be able to stand before him and say, I was completely faithful to you, Lord? Will I find any faithful? Father, may you, O oh God, take your words, O oh God, and begin to write those words on our hearts and begin us, Lord, to really search it out to see if it really is true or not. Open our eyes to the news. Open our eyes to what's taking place around the world. Open our eyes to what is taking place in Israel. And Lord, open our eyes to the depth of the love of those who call you Lord in this church and in the church itself. 